Good evening, and welcome to yet another episode of The Last Knock. Yay! Your friend, yay! <laughs> Your friends in horror since 2013, part of the Strange Society Network. Go mm. to at StrangePodNet on Twitter for all your macabre podcasting needs. I'm Johnny Numb, and on another solo episode... Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, <laughs> is, there, is there someone else there tonight? Johnny, it's me. It's me, Johnny. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. That was like the worst Peter Lorre impression, and I have no idea what the frig that was. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Oh, man, that's creepy. That sounds like James Cagney, probably. I don't know. I, I was aroused either way, Johnny. Oh, that's good. Peter Lorre has that effect on me, too. So. <laughs> you sick bastard. But who the heck are you? I have no idea who I am. Oh, I'm Billy Crash. <laughs> what the hell? I was like, what? Oh, that was a legitimate question. <laughs> yeah. I was asking in, in, in the deeper philosophical sense, Bill. Yeah. yeah. Crash is here. We get this Wee! party started. Raise the roof. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, in any case, tonight... Uh, we are doing another hodgepodge of horror episode. Billy informed me it is our 16th. So. Yeah, sweet 16, baby! Yeah, so what we're going to do is talk about some movies we've seen. Um, we don't discuss beforehand what we're going to, the movies we're going to talk about. So it's a surprise to both of us. And we'll just go back and forth. And Billy, you want to start with a movie? <laughs> it's pretty simple and clear cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a theme. I normally do have a theme for these, and uh, I discovered okay. a theme because one of the things that uh, our good friends at Promote Horror, which I love and everybody uh, yeah. should check out, um, they said, "Hey, you know, it's that time of year where you know um, we know people like you know to watch certain traditional Halloween films that they love, but you know, why not try something new?" And that's exactly what I've been doing the whole month. And, um, I've, uh, so this is, these are all movies from the seventies I haven't seen until wow. recently and I'm doing them in reverse order. Meaning the first one is going to be cr absolute garbage and, um, <laughs> and at least the last two are like, yeah, I think people should check this out. Okay. So, um, I had heard about this one a lot and I have no friggin' idea why, because it is hideously awful. It's so bad. It was renamed Graveyard of Horror from 1971. It's a Spanish film, but most people know it as Necrophagus. Necrophagus. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't it, think I've seen either. Yeah. I don't think yeah, I've seen I, it under either title. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> Nobody waste their time. Um, I'm sort of taking a hit for the team here. Uh, it, and it's just w weird, sloppy storytelling. And, um, even though it had some interesting moments, it like definitely not enough. Um, after having been away from, for some time, a guy returns to, uh, back home to his wife to discover that she died while giving, you know, uh, giving birth to a child, he tries to find out what happens. No one's telling him. And then he decides, well, you know what? I'm going to dig up her grave because that's where anybody would go for answers. And, um, <laughs> and then he finds something he shouldn't have. Dun, dun, dun. But it is so stiff. It's like, did anybody, anybody here ever act before in their lives? Um, it was one of those types of gigs. Uh, Bill Curran starred as Michael Sherrington. He's the guy. Um, and it was just, it was just like, um, boring it was like so uneventful until like you know the end where it's like ooh, here's some exciting stuff but it's like too little too late um it was one of those things that identifies the worst of 70s filmmaking okay. period because it just looks the film quality is poor the um everybody's stiff everybody's wearing like the same clothes it just like didn't have much life to it at all so um it was made in 71, released in 72, but I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> uh, Bill, how did you how did you watch uh, the film in case there are some masochists out there who want to check it out anyway? Like I was, me. I, I was so enthralled by how, you know, poor it was because I was like, I'm waiting for things to connect. And that's what kept my interest because like, all right, how's this A going to connect to F? 
all the way over there across town and it's like and it just came mm-hmm. together so poorly and you know some of the some of the acting was just so bad i found it really intriguing because it was like <laughs> it was so bad i like this is a disaster i but it was boring too <laughs> and i was like but i didn't well, fall asleep but i usually do you know that that is i think that is one of the biggest crimes you can commit as a filmmaker is to make a boring movie yeah, oh, I agree. But so many people for years, yeah, necrophagious, man. I'm like, what? The, what? This was the only horror movie you ever watched in your life? You never saw anything with substance before? <laughs> oh my god, it just like it was just hideously awful. But did you did you like watch it on Prime or Netflix or? I got. I, I think I got the DVD because I do Netflix streaming and the DVDs because I, I okay. like to get the behind the scenes stuff, like. Or behind the screams in this case, and uh, I don't think there was any, there was anything on it. Um, just like thank you for trying to watch this film. I think <laughs> came across the screen at one point or something. I don't know. At at, at the end at the end of the credits, it said uh, we, we deeply apologize. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. Man. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, Bill. Uh, don't worry. Everything gets better from here on out. Excellent. I'm curious. I'm curious to hear what what other ones you picked out because I, I I do like the '70s overall as a decade for horror. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested if I've to see or hear if I've seen any of the one other ones you're going to mention. I do not have a theme. Um, I just uh, picked out some films that I, I'm just bouncing around decades and such and sure, themes. Man. But I wanted to bring up this film because I saw it in the theater recently and. I thought it was very interesting. And it's a film called Lamb from Iceland. Hmm. And uh, it's it's an A24 movie, so that might tell you all you need to know from the get-go, whether you'll be interested in seeing it or not. Um, it stars Numi Rapace, I believe. Uh, yes, from, yes. From the Swedish uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies. Um and it's about her and her husband. Um, they they live on this farm that they run. And one day, one of the sheep gives birth to something unusual. And the remain the remainder of the film is about uh, what they what they do um, with with this uh, with this anomaly in nature. Um, and I don't want to say too much about the plot because yeah. the, fil- the the film is kind of one of those quietly, um, I would kind of call it a slow burn because you're not really, there's only a few characters introduced and you get to know them pretty well, but it's not through dialogue. There's a lot of nuance in the performances mm-hmm. and the, and the set and the, uh, compositions, I think. Um, that portend greater detail about the themes and the story and the characters. So that's what that's kind of like what I like about A24 movies is it's not like everything is explained away and and put it with a nice bow on it. I hate that shit when yeah, it's done. I'm with you, man. When it's done in a forced kind of uh, artificial way, and this this film does not does not do that, and I kind of like that about it. Um, that's awesome. It is, yeah, it is kind of an interesting meditation on, uh, you know, what do you what do you do with something that's an anomaly, and you know, how do you explain it to others, um, and then what do you how do you respond to it in turn? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think something I like about the film is it had there's a dog. And there's a cat in the film that also live on the farm because it's obviously a sheepdog. Um, but something I liked was how the film seems to tap into the empathy of animals in an interesting way that you don't often see in movies. Like, you know, if, you know, you dread when a dog or a cat shows up in a horror movie because you're just thinking, OK, it's going to get killed at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I hate. Yep. Um but I, I like in this film, there's lots of quiet moments where you're just kind of looking at the animals and seeing how they behave and react to what's going on. And I think that's telling mm-hmm. kind of because because animals have their own, you know, people say animals can predict like bad weather or something like that. Or, if, you know, you can tell 
like an animal has a, like sometimes people say an animal has a sixth sense about what's going on right. before it, before it happens. So I feel like there's some of that in this movie. Um, I love the isolated setting. Um, I, it must've been shot in Iceland cause I was there a few years ago. It's a beautiful place. Um, but the film has these beautiful long shots of just these gigantic natural, like mountain formations, um, and hilly countrysides. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a real sense of isolation to it. And I love that about the movie. Um, cause it reminded me of in a way being back in Iceland. Um, and something our tour guide said to us was that we were lucky because we had good weather. There's usually a lot of, it's usually very cloudy in Iceland, but we had like clear days every day we were there. Awesome. And, now this movie is interesting because it's always like foggy. cloudy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 always cloudy and dreary, except for a couple of scenes where the sun's out. And and I was like, ah, it feels like being back in Iceland, but being back in Iceland in a horror movie. So, um, well, that's really cool. And it's funny that you mentioned isolation because the moment you started telling me the premise, I was thinking of the movie Isolation, the Irish horror film. Oh yeah, good with, call with Ossie yeah. Davis. Um, and what's interesting about this film, because it's on my watch list already, it was written and directed by uh, Vladimir Johansson, who's actually a cameraman. Oh, okay. And I didn't he, know that. He, he directed a short film, and this is actually his featured directorial debut. So I think that's really freaking cool. Yeah, and you know something else, Bill? Nope. And I know I dogpile on him a lot on social media, but this film does what a film like hereditary does not in terms of presenting an interesting family dynamic hereditary mm-hmm. hereditary over explained the shit out of stuff and it failed over, it, and it overdid its shocks it overdid its scares this is much more subtle and it's much more in my personal personal wheelhouse let's say it's 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 unusual but it's also compelling um and there's definitely a there's a there's a contrasting human animal element to it. Like I said, yeah. So there's a sense of human flaw and frailty in the film, running concurrently with kind of like the animal empathy and the animal emotion as well. If that makes sense. So. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, man. Well, that's cool. Oh, I can't wait to see this now. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's my first movie. Awesome, man. Well. Well, we're we're moving up the ladder in a very strange way because we're going to a movie from 1975 that has well, this is how bad it is. Um, okay. <laughs> even though it's better than Necrophagus, this was at one point called Seeds of Evil. Then mm. it was Garden of Evil. Most people know it as the Gardener. Okay. And it's and it's directed written and directed by James H. K. If you're not familiar with the name, nobody is because this was his only film. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to see it uh because to me it's an anomaly in regards yep. to he's a nice guy, he's a great guy, and it was a different vehicle from the um uh for Joe Delessandro. Mm. Uh-huh. Who people know from all the Andy Warhol films, and, Ooh, and it yeah. was and it's interesting. I can tell you right now in this movie, he looked like Anthony Kiedis. He has his hair is down to like his butt, and it's all <laughs> his hair, and he never wears a shirt the entire movie. <laughs> it, it, it reminds. It sounds like blood for Dracula all over yes, again. Yes, exactly, yeah. man. <laughs> and of course, you know James H. K. is like, well, I wanted to give Joe D'Alessandro a different. A different role. I'm like, no, you didn't. This, this, the Studley Gardener. Yeah, and the Studley Gardener, who's very stoic, who doesn't like, like, there's like no emotion from D'Alessandro at all. All the yeah. emotion comes from Catherine Houghton, who was mm-hmm. in um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And oh. a lot of people said, this is the movie, The Gardener ruined your career. And she said, no. Um, wait, was it? Hold on, let me check. Let me check real <laughs> quick. Was it wasn't Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? It was. It was oh, first station identification. Yeah, it was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Um, she said, "No, this didn't ruin it. That um, Gardner didn't ruin it. My career. Uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner ruined it because all I kept getting were scripts that were ripoffs of that movie. 
So she mm-hmm. said, I'm an actress. I want to do something different. And she said, and she pretty much said in her commentary, yeah, it's, it's a bad film, but you know, like it was, so it takes place in this tropical arena. There's this gardener, Joe D'Alessandro. It's weird. Rita Gam is also in it. A lot of people might know, um, she was, um, she had her definite, definite moments of, uh, shining moments in the past. And, um, they hired this gardener who does amazing things with plants in like record time. But what is he really after? What is he really conjuring? And <laughs> blah blah. And um, I think uh, in you know James K apologized for like the special defects at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> he was like, "It's the seventies. What could we do? We didn't have much money. Blah 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 blah. We shot it in Puerto Rico." You could hear in all the scenes like the tree frogs. They said they're everywhere. There's nothing we could do, and it was. <laughs> Um, but it was funny because like some of the dialogue was really good and some of the acting, especially between, you know, uh, Houghton and, uh, Gam were really, was really great. And, mm-hmm. but it just didn't really, it just didn't really move somewhere. And when it finally did, it was like, oh, that's it. You know, it was like one of those things. And there is a freaking weird flying bug that just landed on my coconut freaking LaCroix, um, <laughs> seltzer. Like, dude, get the fuck out of there. It's not a spotted. Oh no! Don't light. fall in it. Get out of here, fucker. Sorry. Anyway, that was my horror. Surfs up. Surfs up. Surfs up, bitch. Fizz. <laughs> anyway, that's it. The gardener. So, so, so it sounds like that's slightly better than necroph- necrophagus, Bill. Yeah, it was more. It was uh, there was something uh, about it that was uh, intriguing. Um, and especially when it's like a one-time director and he really tried, you know, the guy's a sweetheart and it's like, eh, you know, it's like, you know, I, I did the best I could with $10 and I was like, yeah, you know, he, well, it, sound, it sounds like you, you, what you listened to like the commentary or there were interviews. Oh yeah. Or the something. commentary was absolutely intriguing, you know, you know, cause Joe Del Santos like, what movie? Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, I did something with a plant, you know, like shit like that. Joe's like on. Joe's like he's on Planet Joe, you know. It's like you know, so it was fucking all. I thought it was great. Okay, all right. Well, that's that's cool. Sometimes sometimes that stuff saves saves a bad movie. Is like just hearing how you know hearing the filmmakers be con- contrite about it, kind of you know. Mm-hmm. So okay, I get that. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe a movie that might actually fit in that kind of mold, Bill. Though, it's, though for me, it was far more interesting. Mm-hmm. It sounds like than the Gardner is this movie from France from 1986 called Devil Story. Have you ever heard of Devil Story, Bill? Devil Story? Yeah. Devil Story. I'm taking a look. It's got, right it's now, got some distinctive poster art. Holy shit! That is distinctive. Um, I've never heard of this damn thing. Okay. Well, spoiler alert, I, the next two movies, this movie and the next one are going to be uh, recent releases that I procured from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, oh, now I so, get it. Yeah, so I got these, uh, you know, on Blu-ray, and I had, hadn't seen either one of these movies before, but Devil Story just intrigued me so much. The synopsis just seemed like total madness. Um, I'm in already. It, yeah, it's it's you know one of those movies, and I and I hate I really hate the term bonkers used as a <laughs> as a descriptor because so many people use that, and I'm like, it's I feel like Inigo Montoya saying I you know you keep using that word I don't think you know what it means. Yeah, exactly. Because um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know with so much you know if, if if everything is bonkers, then what's not bonkers? I guess is is my thought. But exactly. Uh, in any case, this is just a very interesting, very random movie directed and written by uh, Bernard Lanois, I believe. Um, Lanois, who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I, forgive us, French fans. I, 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 Icelandic movie was my first movie with names I couldn't pronounce, and now <laughs> I have a Fr- I, now I have a French movie with names I'll butcher too. We. Oui. It's yeah, we. Oui. <laughs> Mon Dieu, yeah. <laughs> what fondue? I'm hungry. Thanks. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but no, no, it's it's really uh, you know if you have if you like movies that just kind of kind of drift 
in and out of making any sort of sense or have sort of a dreamlike feel to them. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like double story kind of fits that kind of fits that mood. Um, There's like castles, there's like thunderstorms. There are, for some reason, there's a mummy wandering the countryside. (laughs) There's this, there's this deformed, this, this, horribly deformed quasimodo-esque guy who's walking around for some reason wearing a nazi uniform killing people oh my god Um, this is gold this is fucking gold yeah like random passers-by get killed in these very absurd uh unconvincing ways um it is a very bloody movie too the gore effects are over the top to the point of absurdity to the point where i was like smiling at how just how absurd this damn movie is. Um, I guarantee you Palco, Palco of Palco, Palco Designs has to have this on friggin' VHS or something. See, if he does, it's probably worth it's probably worth a pretty penny. Um, damn, man. But uh, no, it's just, I don't even really know how to describe it. You know, there's, there's a ship that comes out of a mountain at one point. Yeah, this is great, man. In, in, in this movie, nothing really makes sense. Um, oh, it sounds kinda, like an Italian film. Yeah, yeah, I kind of <laughs> like it. it I, I don't want to place it in the same league as Hasu, but uh, wow. because it's not, it's not as well done as Hasu, wow. but it's strange in a lot of the same ways Hasu is strange. Wow. Um, so I, I would say if you like Hasu, uh, it's, it's a, you know, a cautious recommendation, um, because you know, you may hate it because it's, it's not, it's not quite that organized sort of chaos that Hasu is. Um, but I just had a really good time. I was like sitting there kind of smiling periodically. My jaw would drop. Just there's, there's this thing with a black horse that's apparently some sort of surrogate for the devil mm-hmm. there's this old man who stands in a field for like all night shooting trying to shoot at it but he can't shoot at it he keeps missing it and then there's a sequence that's actually so hilarious where the horse is just repeatedly kicking the hunchback guy in <laughs> in the face and he's like spitting blood and he just keeps walking toward the horse the horse keeps kicking him and he keeps spitting blood and this goes on for minutes <laughs> God. And you just start laughing because it's so like, what the hell is going on? What is, <laughs> I have to see this shit. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll next time I see you, I'll loan it to. Oh, you. I love you, man. Just for that. But, yeah, but it's hell. just it's just so it's just so weird, and and I enjoy it, and I enjoy and I enjoyed it. It's there's a sense of dislocation about it because I you know it was shot in France. So it doesn't feel like an American movie trying too hard to sometimes be strange. This just feels strange all on its own. And in a very unique kind of, again, Bill, it was like, like what James K was saying. It's like, they, it feels like Lunois tried to try to make something as best as possible. And what the end result is just so it's, it's, it's not good, but it's not boring for a second either. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So double story, folks. Yeah. Ah, all right, man. That's very <laughs> – I, I can't wait to see this thing. <clears throat> well, man, Johnny, we're going uh, back 10 years since you were uh, – that was 86. We're going to 76. Okay. And we're going to a film that was billed as Jaws with Claws. Oh. And that is – that is Grizzly. Yes. St- directed by the late uh, William Girdler, who died young. He was uh, talk about an up and coming filmmaker who uh, he died in a helicopter crash. Yeah. Um, and this was written by Harvey Flaxman, David Shel- Sheldon, and Andrew Prine. Um, mm. And Andrew Prine, uh, he stars in it as a helicopter pilot. He did, he wanted to like I want to play this guy from the south, you know. And he did such a great – he was my favorite in the whole film. But actually, yeah. I what really I found enjoyable about this film was, yeah, there's a grizzly. There's a grizzly run amok, and it's not your average bear. And, you know, <laughs> um, it must be stopped, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because, like, right. 8 million people are being killed and eaten up in this, like, little village. And um, totally, like, it, it really is Jaws on land, you know. And uh, I think Harvey Flaxman admitted that openly, or, or David Sheldon. They were like, yeah, this is what we're doing, my God. Um, but it's Christopher George, um, yep. Andrew Prine, and Richard Jekyll 
are like yep. the three kings in this movie and all great. Richard Jekyll was always one of my favorite character actors. We've lost him. Andrew Prine, as we know, is still with us. And Christopher George, he passed on as well. But um, yeah. everything that I heard about the movie, because I, I saw it was great to see some of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, because you get to see Girdler work and how he was thinking about things. Yeah, and yeah. you get to hear from people. And um, everybody apparently had a really good time on set. The interesting thing was they had this bear. I forgot what the bear's name was, but um, they had to keep like an electric fence around it because even though it was trained, it really wasn't kind of thing. <laughs> and like the crew would be like, okay, everybody run, get out of the way. You know, the bear's doing its thing and, you know, don't get too close and all of this stuff. And uh, so a lot of people were really, really frightened by this bear. And uh, wow. no, no deaths or anything on set. But uh, it's it's uh, it's an oh it was like an eighteen foot tall grizzly bear terrorizes a state park, and you know the park ranger who was Christopher George you know it's like can can he do what it takes to save the day and um, uh, of course he's Christopher George yeah with his smile he always had this million dollar smile with the you know the crow's feet at the corner of his eyes you know he was just like. Um, Oh yeah. 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 But everybody said they loved working with him. He was so nice. And, um, um, so that was, was really cool. I, I was going to say, Bill was, was his wife Linda day in that movie too. Cause I, I watched it not too long ago. myself. Get the hell out of here. I, I picked up that they came out on Blu-ray recently. I picked it up. Yeah. You bastard. Um, no, no. Linda... <laughs> so I might've watched the same thing you did. Actually, yeah. I think the, you did. The scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Linda day wasn't in this one. Okay, I'm thinking of oh, Day of the Animals. She was in Day, was of, the, Day of the Animals. Oh wait, that was the porn movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bill, different podcast. Bill, different. Oh, podcast. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but to, you know, I think I, I might be wrong about this, but I'm thinking Universal might have tried to file a lawsuit against the filmmakers because it was so similar to Jaws. I might be mixing it up with that other Jaws movie ripoff, Great White, though. Uh, I mean, whatever, you know, who knows, land shark, you know, um, I, I have no idea. It's interesting though, but it, I was wondering like Andrew Prine didn't have a writing credit, but on here it says he's uncredited because he mm. had, he had shared the Indian based story of it. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but he was great in the movie. He was my favorite part. You know, he was just awesome. Uh, and the rest you're watching and it's like, yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> So, so it was it's your number three, Bill. So it's getting progressively better. The next two are highly are recommended watches. So we're getting there. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely to just to piggyback off. I, you know, if you like creature features, I would definitely recommend giving Grizzly a spin if you like that sort of thing. So. Yeah, how about that ending, huh? Holy shit! You know what, Bill? They used to... <laughs> no, that that you know what they used to play Grizzly on like. Uh, basic cable when I was little. Oh man! And the one thing I remember was one day I guess I flipped the channel and it was and it was that ending. I was like, "Holy shit, man!" <laughs> that 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 was like stuck in my head for years until I got to oh. see the movie again like this year. I was like, "Okay, I remember that ending, but like nothing else about this movie." So. Oh man! Well, there's nothing else to really remember. But anyway, <laughs> we we soldier on, Johnny. What do you got? All right. All right, Bill, my, my next Vinegar Syndrome pick mm -hmm. is a film from 1999 um, called Resurrection. Mm. Now, now you might remember, those of you who are old enough to remember, like me and Bill, the Y2K panic and how everybody thought, oh, the, yeah, yeah. thought technology was going to shut down um, once the calendars rolled over to 2000. Yeah, that bug was going to get us, Johnny. Y2K. Um, mm -hmm. And there was also sort of this maybe incidental spate of films that were dealing with the apocalypse. I think uh, End of Days came out that year or the year before that movie Stigmata with Patricia Arquette. So like these religious kind of tinged movies were coming out that were genre films mm -hmm. um, dealing with. And I mean, fucking Michael Bay's Armageddon came out in 98. Um, so, you know, there was. <laughs> There, there was sort of this odd trend of, of movies like dealing with the possibility of the end times. And this is another one of them. Um, it's directed by Russell Mulcahy, who people probably best know for the uh, wild boar horror film, uh, oh. Razorback. Um, oh, God. 
Yeah, he's an Australian director, and he did Highlander. Yeah, he did two of the Highlanders, and he did a Resident Evil Extinction too. So he he's got some he's got some experience within the genre. And basically, what Resurrection is is it's kind of an unabashed Seven ripoff. Um, Oh God! Which which literally, Bill, literally, damn takes takes it uh, takes place leading up to easter that's kind of the that's oh. kind of the, the the time when all the bad stuff is going to happen that the uh, the the bad guy is is portending or trying to make happen the thing is you know for as prevalent as seven ripoffs were you know throughout the late 90s and even up to this point there's still people out there ripping off seven um yeah 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 what's in the box it's like all right whatever ice cream (laughs) yay it's ice cream sorry go ahead (laughs) bill i'm gonna rip off your chain wallet and throw it away But in any case, you know, it's uh, Christopher Lambert came up with the story for this film. Um, he's the lead actor. He's, you know, he's the lead. He's playing a detective um, who's dealt with some past trauma. And then this killer starts showing up, uh, killing people in all sorts of unique and very surprisingly gory ways. Um, it's it's a very it's a very good movie to watch if you want to see uh, practical effects. Um, usually it's the aftermath of of killings because of course the police are always like two steps behind. But, uh, I gotta say, I enjoyed the film a lot more than I was expecting to. Um, I think it, yeah, I think it does something interesting with kind of a tired serial killer premise. Um, the cast is really good. I think Lambert kind of, and I say this as, as complimentarily, complimentarily as possible. Is that a word? Um, it is now. But he reminds me a little of like Stallone or Schwarzenegger when they try to yeah, go yeah, for, yeah. when they try to go for something that's not that's outside of their action wheelhouse and they're actually trying to act. I feel like that's what he's trying to do here, and I think you know he's I like him as an actor so I and I think he does a good job in this movie. You know, there's some of some of the emotions I think he struggles to convey, but overall I liked his um, character and his performance, and you got. You got uh, Leland Orser is in the film who mm-hmm. was in Seven, but here he's playing Lambert's partner, which I like. It's a bit of a switcheroo on him always being kind of the creepy, creepy guy in movies. Right, right, right. He's actually playing a normal cop in this movie, so I kind of like that. I like Leland Orser a lot as an actor. Um, and Robert Joy, who's another character actor I love, um, he collaborated with uh, George Romero on The Dark Half and he was in uh, Land of the Dead as well. Um, he, he's always good. He was in the Hills Have Eyes remake. Um, you know, I, I'm always happy when he shows up. So it was a really, it was a really well done movie. It it pushes toward the two hour mark, but it it's not boring. Um, and there are even two scenes where I actually felt nauseous because of what was being depicted on screen and how uh, convincingly the actors were reacting to it. I won't give it away but i was like there are two scenes where i'm like i can practically smell this room with the way it's being photographed and with the way people are reacting to what's in it so i really i really like that and oh quick quick other bit of a incentive for folks if you want to see it david cronenberg has a small part as a priest in this film oh man that's crazy shit right there Possibly the biggest stunt casting of David Cronenberg ever in a relatively normal role. <laughs> so, mm. so, so yeah. resurrection. If you can find a way to stream it, if you like kind of uh, if you kind of like seven ripoffs or end of times films with good character actor casts, uh, give it a spin. Awesome, man! I like it. Yeah. Uh, well, Johnny, we're getting better. We're getting better right. because. This is Black Magic 2 Electric Boogaloo, baby. This Ooh. is 1976, a Hong Kong Singapore co production. I really I enjoyed it. I didn't hit the the for, fast forward button. I didn't roll my eyes. I didn't fall asleep. Um, I was intrigued. And once I describe the movie, you'll be like, um, really? That's good. Um, an oh, evil, an evil magician and his zombie minions. 
and this is IMDb, are up against a trio of doctors who are on a mission to find the cause of an outbreak of unknown diseases caused by his spells. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm like, why did I rent this? And I'm I'm playing it and I'm watching it. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't bad. This is. I was really like enjoying it. I was enjoying, um, uh, you know, some of the effects, some of the weirdness. Um, but the storytelling, you know, it was like well laid out and uh, I liked the dialogue. I liked the character interchanges. And I was like, I was just entertained for like an hour and a half. And um, and that's the whole damn movie because um, I can't really say anymore because I'll like give it away. But um, you, you, you said the title was Black Magic 2, Bill? Black Magic 2 and I have not seen Black Magic. The, okay. Uh, number one, if there is a number one, who knows? Um, yeah. But I just thought it was really, it was, it was just enjoyable. It was, you know, it wasn't the greatest thing on earth. It was definitely wasn't the worst, you know. Um, but I had a, I sat there for ninety minutes, and I was like, yeah, this is, uh, this is worthwhile. I like the locations. Um, I like some of the surprises in it. Um, it was. It was good. It was good. And they had people who could act, you know, which was great because it's always a plus. Yeah. yeah. Some of these horror movies, man, as you know, it's like I'm starting my career. Yes, we know you are. Um, <laughs> like some of the shit I've seen lately, it's just it makes me depressed. But um, yeah, I appreciate your sacrifice in advance, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure I'm sure millions of other people do, too. Um <laughs> Uh, I always love when, like, uh, you know, people take one for the team. But this was, this was like, what am I going to watch? I'll watch this. Oh man! And uh, it was, it was really well shot too. Not, not that the cinematography was super amazing, but the um, the film quality I thought was really, really high for, you know, seventy six. Um, okay. You know, because you know, like a lot of the films like deteriorate and they don't get restored because it's like, well, ten people are going to watch this. And right. then it's really sad because then you're watching cinematic history, regardless of how obscure, die. And yeah. um, this looked good. This looked really good. So cool. if, if you're into evil magicians and you're into doctors, like using their doctor doctorly selves to like save the day, <laughs> this could be this could be your vehicle of awesomeness. You know, Bill, I, I kind of. It makes me wonder, yeah, I guess if there was like continuity with the first film, you didn't have any trouble getting with the second one. It sounds like it's pretty contained for what it is. So it, it, I didn't feel like I missed a damn thing from whatever Black Magic was. I have no idea. Um, okay. All right. But uh, in fact, you remind me, just reminded me to like look for this damn Black Magic, see if there is one from... Like the early seventies, and there was. Could, oh, yep, I found it. <laughs> is, is it Whoops, is it another, there it is. Another Hong Kong film, or uh, it's yeah, it's um, it's the same thing. An evil magician, you know, blah blah oh, blah. Right. So okay. the, apparently, the evil magician returns, and this was strictly Hong Kong. Okay, if I could, and uh, a lot of people like that one apparently. So I'm gonna look for that. Because I got Black oh. Magic too. All the films I got are through Netflix this time around. Um, holy wow. shit, I just found it. <laughs> and I'm adding it to my queue right now. <laughs> oh, there it is, baby! So, Alright, so it's not so it's not one that's gonna go into saved purgatory then. Yeah, watch, watch it fast. Um we yeah. lose the contract on this one in two days. No, um Yeah. So uh cool. Yeah, I'm friggin' yeah, put that at the top of my queue because top of my queue is looking pretty awful on Netflix right now. Yeah, I have a lot of like twenty twenty one films that I want to catch up with that I feel like I may yeah, yeah, regret, yeah. that I may regret later for when we do our our end of year show. But we'll we'll see we'll see. Yeah, I'm trying, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I appreciate it, Bill. I'm trying to over here. Oh, I bet you are. Well, my next movie, um, there was there was no magic, black or otherwise at work. <laughs> All right, it, way to sell it. it. In this film, yet it's somehow managed through the power of hype to be the uh, most watched film on premiere on Shudder recently. Um, and that is VHS 94, mm-hmm. which is the uh, fourth installment of the, some would say famous, I would say infamous VHS series. I would say so-so um, series. Yeah, which takes, you know, basically takes the conceit of 
the anthology and applies a lot of shitty video effects to it. Oh, God. Yeah, so um, I wanted... <laughs> I wanted to just share my contrarian opinion because everybody else seems to mostly be loving this. Um, I, I'm sorry. I did not. I kind of had a similar experience to um, these are films with the exception of the first one, which I loathe. Um, the second one I thought was okay. The third one, which seems to be the least liked of, among the masses, I liked probably the best, but I still, none of these films go over two and a half stars for me. Mm. They're, they're like the most consistently mediocre horror series going right now. I feel, mm. um, and I'm like, is it me? Is it the fact that I don't have nostalgia for watching things on videotape? I know there's a huge subset of people out there who love their VHS Palco, as we mentioned, has a huge VHS collection. Yep. Um, you know, I know, and I know people, the Mahoning Drive-In did like a VHS fest where people would swap or sell VHSs and people were buying. So I know that's a thing. I, I Is it nostalgia? I don't know what it is. If I can watch something with a better picture in, in the widescreen i'm gonna opt for that every time um so right away i have i'm on the outs with these movies because i don't like how they look yeah Um, i'm not a fan of that sort of tracking lines and yeah yeah i'm with you too messed up you know sort of like staticky cuts you know where they stopped it and restarted it um that does nothing for me nope and i and i feel like they use that to kind of uh, compensate for kind of the dead end storytelling that's on display. In most of the, <laughs> most of the stories in these movies, including this one, the, the, uh, the wraparound story is, is terrible and obnoxious. Um, you know, there, there are some stories that try to do something more subtle, but it's like, it's kind of like one and a half acts of a three act play. And then the damn thing just ends and you're left unsatisfied kind of. Uh, Um, Yeah. So it's like this, it's, it's not like the twilight zone where Rod Serling came up with a 30 minute conceit that really hammered the point home, you know, and, and these films don't have any, you know, none of the VHS movies have that degree of discipline to them, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, is this because we've just, evolved so far over the years you know because i watched dead of night the british film from 1945 yeah yeah that's that's an anthology that tells a couple of stories and it interweaves them all within the framing device right and and it's a and it's like i really like that movie and then i think it was the night before it's like i watched that and then the next night i watched vhs 94 and i was like good lord this is how, how far we have fallen in terms of the anthology um there is one good segment, um, and you'd probably like it, Bill. It's uh, from Timo Cha. Oh my God! I think that's the one that Palco said I would love. Yeah, it's called this. It's called the subject. It's the only one because apparently these films don't really adhere to the VHS structure. This film, this this segment is time stamped with 1994 on it, even though it looks like current digital video. <laughs> So I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to complain. Because, <laughs> What's the because point? <laughs> yeah, it's easily the best, most interesting story, even though it's really derivative of uh, stuff Mary Shelley did a lot, a lot better with Frankenstein back mm-hmm. in the 1800s. Uh, just kind of giving that the that mythos and uh, who is the monster kind of theme, kind of a facelift for for the 2020s but uh yeah that's really the only thing worth watching out of it everything else is extremely underwhelming in in this movie and in this series for that matter i just i don't i don't know why i subjected myself to this but i did and i i am sorry it's still not the worst thing i've seen this year but uh it's it's not good either so oh man well hmm well i do want to see that one segment now that you mentioned it yeah you and Palco together? How could I refuse? So I'll I'll get there eventually. Sure. No no rush. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not rushing, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this my last one for tonight is from 1975. 
It's uh, from director Ray Danton. He did a lot of television. He was an actor himself, but he also directed 1972's uh, Deathmaster. And in 75, he got Timothy Hutton um, uh, along with uh, Paul Burke, who plays... I, th I, th I think it's Jim Hutton, though. Did I say it, Timothy? It, I said his son? You said, you said Timothy, yeah. Jesus Christmas. Tim Hutton who went on to play um, Ellery Queen. Uh, so it's Jim. Jam and Jim Hutton. I think that's what they really called him. Uh, 1975 Psychic Killer. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounds bad, but I was like, I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be crap. And it's about a former a former mental patient who uses astral projection to get the people who he thinks did him wrong. And um, it's it was interesting right from the beginning. It got, it got into it right away, the whole story. Um, so I really appreciated that. It wasn't like a ton of like waiting, waiting, waiting. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was really cool the way they did it. Like I think they could have done this story in a whole bunch of different ways in regard to astral projection and such. And they did it in a really cool, um, uh, intriguing, almost subtle manner that left um, – like the police, like, cause they're like stymied, you know, like what's going on. And they're like, you know, uh, watching him and slowly this one, this Lieutenant Jeff uh, Morgan, who played by Paul Burke, who plays one of those cops. I'm going to get you, you son of a bitch. You know, he's yeah. one of those guys, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, not on my watch, man. You know, it's like, you're going down. It's like, okay, man, just, you know, take a friggin' laxative, take a shit and come back. But, um, it was really cool how things unfolded, and I liked the way it was shot. I liked the use of shadow in it, and um, it had, like, some creepy elements here and there because it's like, wait, is that him? What's going on? How could he be there when he's sleeping somewhere else? Ah! So I just re I really loved that dynamic. It was really cool. Uh, Julie Adams was in it as well. Um, Neville Brand. Um, he, he, he has a memorable scene in that movie. Yes, he yeah. has a memorable one. Uh, uh, Della Reese does a cameo, which is fantastic. Right. And one of my favorites, one of my favorite character actors, we lost him as well, Stack Pierce, who oh. I, I really love. He played Emilio. And, um, but I just loved how like the movie got into it right away. And one of the things that helped was, you know, um, like his son, you know, the, um, the Huttons were really great actors and they just yeah. knew what to put on their, on their faces, you know, facial expressions. And I always thought Tim Robbins might have been re related to them in some manner. And um, because of, I can he, see that. Yeah, yeah he, he has this like look. And so it was just really great to see how um, he carried, he played his part and carried it. And I thought it was great because, you know, Paul Burke, you know, played this emotional police lieutenant who was like, fuck this, man. And and Jim Hutton, you know, supposedly the bad guy was like Mr. Cool. And I liked that contrast as well. I thought it was really helpful for the story. So I liked it. Of the ones I've seen from the 70s recently, this is the one that like um, rose to the top. That's, you know, that's those are some interesting choices, Bill. I was honestly expecting some... Uh some uh, heavy hitters that maybe you'd missed in there. And I, I'm, I was surprised. Those are some pretty, uh, for me, I don't know that I think the only one I've seen is, uh, well, I've seen Grizzly and I have seen psychic killer. It's been years, mm -hmm. but uh, I, and I did not care for that. I did not care for psychic killer when I saw it, but there's certain scenes in it that have stuck with me through yeah, all the yeah, years, yeah. Yeah. you know? So I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe sometime I'll get in the mood and, you know, queue it up on prime or something and give it another look you know we say that all the time and that's like that's like number like 1000 of the films you have to watch you know what i mean it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like oh hey read this book again screw you man there's eight billion books i haven't gotten to yet like i can't you know you know it's you know it's interesting bill as, as an aside is like so many people I know on Twitter and, and you're like doing stuff where you're watching new movies, like for the month of October. Right. And, and I'm like, I feel like most of the rest of the year I'm watching new. I'm trying to get through the stuff that's come in the mail kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm trying to move through <clears throat> my, my rapidly accumulating collection. So it's like, I was just like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to I'm just going to go back and watch stuff I've already watched before for the most part for October and give myself a break from watching new stuff. Mhm. Mm 
Um, I'll, I'm, I'm still trying to fit like new stuff in between the stuff that's on my quote unquote schedule, but yeah, yeah, I hear you, but that's, that's cool, Bill. No, I think you, you brought, you brought up some good titles that at least people will probably be curious to check out. So I, I hope I'd love, you know, cause there's so many movies. I mean, once in a while, you know, like Palco, he puts stuff up on uh, Instagram and it's like, I'm like, what there's a vhs for that movie what is that movie where did it come from is that like only one of three copies like what the <laughs> hell man i never heard of this shit in my life and it's like oh you never saw it? I'm like dude you you mentioned like eight like a thousand films i haven't seen like I, I don't even know where to find them you know when we get to his place eventually i'm going to find linnea quigley's horror workout and i'm going to swap i'm going to put some other tape in the box and walk out with that <laughs> so so palco you know if when that happens just don't be surprised oh man nice knowing you johnny yeah <laughs> gonna kill you man um any case the last the last movie on my my list for tonight is a movie i really really liked so kind of cool. end on a positive here i mean it's a movie i've been curious about for a while because when i met uh the great Camille Keaton about 10 years ago mm. at a horror convention, um, most well known for playing Jennifer Hills and I spit on your grave. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a list. She basically had a list of her IMD, IMDB credits sitting on the table along with a ton of pictures from, you know, various movies she'd been in. Right. And one of the movies on the list was one that I don't think had been, released or it was in post-production at the time and it was a film called the butterfly room um the butterfly. from 2012 it stars barbara Steele, um who's you know most recognizable from black sunday and some other right right, um, right. A- italian films from the 60s and she became sort of a horror icon because mm-hmm. of that um this is a film that i think i wrote on letterboxd if Mario Bava came back from the grave to direct one more movie, this is what it would look like. Holy shit, it's at the top of my queue right now. I am not lying. Yeah, and I was I was a, a bit skeptical because I know sometimes how these low-budget movies can go that cobble together some known character actors. Um, sometimes it can be, you, you know, Bill, I know one in particular that we both dislike where it was like, what the hell were you thinking? You put these actors all together and you had no idea what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that could apply to any number of movies. Like, like why, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Michael Berryman deserves better than one minute in this piece of crap, you know? So, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. Some, something like that. In any case, the director... Holy um, shit, I'm is, looking at this cast. Holy mother. Go ahead, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, No, and I was going to go into that, Bill. It's, it's directed by Jonathan Zarantonello. Um who uh, apparently was based off of a novel he wrote. Um, hmm. And it, the cast is fantastic. Jeez, it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know what, you know how Rob Zombie gets together a lot of character actors who maybe you haven't seen in a while, and he gives them really good, some good parts to hook onto. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this director does the same thing. You got Ray Wise. Yeah, I mean, Eric, my favorite. Erica Learson, who is probably most well-known mm-hmm. from the Blair Witch sequel um, yep. and also the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 22 of uh, 2003. You have Heather Langenkamp, uh, Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. And she is fucking great in this. Let me tell you. Awesome. Um, if you thought she could only play Nancy or was only getting cast in Nancy roles, she brings a whole level of depth to her character in this film that is, that is, fantastic i loved it awesome um, and we have camille keaton who i mentioned before in a smaller part but she makes an impression as well she has a couple of really good scenes playing a character who you don't think camille keaton may play she and she does it very well um and you also have adrian king from alice from the original friday the 13th the director does mm-hmm. does really good things with these actors um he makes them do things that are atypical you know it's not oh adrian hmm. king is not playing alice again from friday the 13th she's right right, right. she's playing a different character in a lot of cases these characters are playing 
motherly figures in a way. So it's very fascinating to see to see them kind of tackle what seems more like straight dramatic work uh, with a bit of horror infused into it. And the horror grows kind of creeps in this film to the point where it's like, oh God, it is, this is definitely a horror film in terms of its content and, uh, and story. And even its psychology is very uh, in horrific in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much about this film. I don't know how readily available it is. I picked up a DVD off of Amazon Marketplace because it's out of print. Um, I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere. It's on Netflix. I'm getting a DVD sent to my home probably next week. Okay, all right. So if you still got Netflix disc, check it out there. Um, if you don't have Netflix disc, by all means, uh, sign up because. It's still good because I'm still getting discs from them as well. So, but it's it's a really you know I'd I'd been curious about it for years, but just you know was lazy. It's like you know yeah. build the never the never ending list of stuff and right right. I, I finally said I'm I'm going to pick up this movie and I'm going to watch it finally and I'm so glad I did. It's it's very well done. Like I said, it goes to some tab- taboo places in disturbing ways. Awesome! I love it already just because of that. That's yeah, the and only it, one I need. Yeah, and it very much, you know, out of all of those Italian directors, it has kind of that meticulous vibe that Mario Bava bought, brought to kind of his his films, I think. Mm-hmm. So I so I, I know it may sound a bit bold to say that, but that, that's that was the feeling the film left me with. I'm glad I picked it up. I'm glad it's part of my collection. So yeah. Well, that's awesome because I'm, I'm I love Bava, so um, yeah, I mean, he's done some really good stuff. I need to revisit a lot of his stuff because it's been years since I've watched it. So, mm-hmm. all right, Johnny, that brings us to yeah, scream outs. All right, do it. All right, scream outs. Here we go. These are people you could find on Twitter. Going to give your their Twitter handle and uh, say a little thing about them. I just ran out of uh, liquid, which means I'm going to screw up royally, and I can't wait. Um, <laughs> Mr. Blue, Lou Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E. He's into cult films and heavy metal music out of the Sunshine State. That is Florida. Check mm-hmm. him out. Moon of oh, Greystone Roman. What's that? We are a services company for IMVU. You name it, we do it. You're very cool. They love horror too, so check them out. David, where can you find David? At Croft Writing. Eclectic, Shakespeare lover, obsessed with Hamlet, happily married, writing short horror, dark, and uh, miscellaneous poetry. So there you go. And he's somewhere in the Northeast, Johnny. That means David is close. Mm. Movies, films, flicks. (laughs) I did it. One shot. Bad movies. Bad movies. Horror movies. Independent movies. Bad independent movies. We watch and review (laughs) them all at moviesfilmsandflicks.com. Excellent. Check them out. Cyber Sphinx underscore V2, and they are otherwise known as Grimly Fiendish. Circumspect Lone Ranger, drafter of unfinished novels, sessional academic, goth phone photographer, cat person, online since 1992. She, her, and uh, Diversity Rocks, and out of Vancouver. And if you haven't been to Vancouver, you need to go because that's one, that is my favorite city in the world. Birthplace of Skinny Puppy. Oh, that's right. I can't believe they came out of that. But their underground alternative scene was so cool, man. I, yeah. I, I had my head spinning when I was there. I, I really want to. That's, that's definitely a bucket list place I want to visit. You got it. It's gorgeous. You, I, I, you cry when you walk around there. <laughs> and if it rains, you just walk underground because they have like an underground city below the city. Ooh, it's like so that's cool. That's fucking cool. Yeah, man. absolutely. Uh, Gore Blimey. Who's that? I, I am Gore Blimey, big fan of horror movies, bad films, The Archers, Curry, awesome, Eurovision, and the scene in, and that scene in Deadpool. <laughs> that is friggin' awesome. Host of the Trilogy of Terror podcast. He, him, he's out of Wales. Go to TrilogyofTerrorPodcast.com for more. Absolutely excellent soul. Uh, love him. Trey C., and that is a uh, capital T R A capital C E E underscore T R. She's the queen of scream radio, S C R M radio. Uh, she loves horror movies, 
bacon, reading, wine. <laughs> she's an introvert. I don't really buy that one. Uh, she's into <laughs> horror. Um, she's part of the Fright family. And you could find her music on terrorrecordsinc.com forward slash Trey dash C, C-E-E. She's an absolutely wonderful person. Love her big time. She's just uh, she's just angelic. She really is. She's just fantastic. And a couple more. Oh wow! No, we got a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, Bill. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, Nicole M. Alonzo. And who is that? She is plays Tank in the Crawler Die movies. Crawler Die Two is coming out soon. So if you want to be part of that, go to um, want to know more. Go to hashtag Tank Army. To learn more and you can find out more about crawl or die the original uh at crawl or die trilogy.com which is directed by oklahoma ward uh her fiance they finally you know um that's happening and that's really okay. cool and you could follow her on imdb uh to see what else she's made and don't miss her she's fantastic right now she's working on the soundtrack for crawl or die too and as johnny and i both said we were shocked at the end of Crawl or Die with the credits, we're like, who's, who's doing this song? It's awesome. Holy shit, oh, yeah. she did it. And, <laughs> and it's like, damn, what can't she do? She's from New Jersey. She's a Jersey girl. She could do everything. So there you go. And by the way, Bill, I bumped up my pledge on their last uh, Kickstarter so I could get the, the vinyl record with the songs from the next movie. So Damn. Yeah. Damn, I got to go back and do that. Oh, fudge. Uh, you, I probably I'll, missed I'll it. loan you my copy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'll never return it. Um, <laughs> Possessed Radio. Where are they? They're at Possessed underscore radio on Twitter, a podcast and YouTube channel focused on horror movies, true spooks, and creepy pasta. A horror fanatic and avid film fan, part of the horror fam, horror family, of course. And um, you can check them out on YouTube at Possessed Radio. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Um Highly recommended. Year of Horror. What's that? That's Horror Year. Their love of horror movies, working my way through a random year of horror, year by year, in no particular order. I don't have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> From Burn Myth England. Absolutely great soul. Very um, knows, uh, knows a ton. Knows a ton of stuff. And I'm like, the more, every time I see Horror Year post something, it's like, you should be putting a book together, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And finally, because I recently saw her in a film, uh, and it was just wonderful to see her again, um, Kelly Maroney. Oh, yeah. Actress, Fast Times at Richmond High, Night of the Comet, yay, Chopping Mall, yay, yeah. Ryan's Hope, <laughs> Tears, etc. And she's also in new films, television, voiceovers. She's wonderful, always active, always a sweetheart, uh, motivator wife, cat mom, animal lover, She's in L.A. Where else? She's making movies, damn it. And you can check her more about her besides imdb.com. Also at kellymaroney.com. She's really, really a blast. And yeah. Uh, yeah. just wonderful. Again, you know. So that's it. Those are the scream outs. Hey, Bill. Can I, can I add something quick? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I wanted, I, since you brought up movies, films, and flicks, I wanted to uh, let listeners know that uh, Mark and Megan of that show, they recently welcomed a uh, baby girl, <gasps> Mallory, um, and she turned uh, one month old on October 18th. Yay! So congratulations to yes. Mark, and, Mark and Megan, Megan of movies, awesome, films, and man. flicks. Yeah, she's adorable. And I usually don't like I usually don't like kids, and yeah. theirs is adorable. I think I think they'll be a, it'll, they'll raise they'll raise that kid right with lots of a deep blue sea and. <laughs> one one of the pictures Mark posted on his Facebook is is Mallory next to a DVD copy of Deep Blue Sea, and anybody who that. listens to movies, films, and flicks knows how much Mark loves Deep Blue Sea. So. Yeah. Wow, that's so, awesome. That's, yeah, I just wanted to mention that and give them congratulations. All right, cool, man. That's great. How did I miss yeah. that? Oh, I'm, I know I missed that because my job is all-consuming right now. Um, but that's going to change. Yeah. So sorry I missed that info. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Johnny Num. There are no H's and those Johnny's. 
And you can find my writing at crashpalaceproductions.com because Billy's a sweetheart. And you can also you can also find my writing at thescreeningspace.com because at Suze Layton is a sweetheart as well. Love that woman. Um, really do. Huge, you know, great supporter of us through all these years. I can't say enough kind things about her. No, so. and, the, and the screening space is just awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, but, so where can people find you, Billy Boy? Well, <laughs> you're going to find me at uh, CrashPalaceProductions.com for links to this show and many of Johnny's articles. Um, somebody please hire Johnny because he's an excellent film critic. Uh, the world <laughs> needs him, and he, he certainly doesn't need Crash Palace because he's better than that. Um, oh, shut up, man. No, I'm serious, man. <laughs> it's the truth, man. Your your stuff is incredible. Um, and I always love it. And what I really love about it is I don't have to edit anything because Johnny's friggin' perfect. Um, <laughs> My OCD, Bill. <laughs> thank, well, it, it works. Um, <laughs> it does, yeah. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Crash Palace uh, to links to the show and more. And also at... Uh, Noir kink for links to my uh, crazy LGBT kink crime thriller series. And the fourth book will be coming out before the end of the year. Yay! And the fifth book, I'm telling you right now, I couldn't sleep like a week ago because I was taking notes for it. It's going to be so intense. So, I I don't know how I'm going to write it. (laughs) I mean, really, this is going to be... Like ape shit crazy, uh, but anyway, bond bondage awesome. bondage will be out before the end of the year. I'm looking forward to it. Perfect for the holidays, I'm sure. It was supposed to be released for Halloween because uh, it takes mm. place in Halloween 2018. But okay. for us, Halloween's every day, so who gives a shit? So I'm like, you know, as Al Jorgensen said, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. who gives a shit? <laughs> Well, no, I was going to say every day is Halloween. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> but before before he went all metal metal uncle on everybody. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Okay. Man. Johnny, thanks, man. Thanks for the hodgepodge. Sweet sixteen over. Yeah, Bill. It was nice talking with you again, as always. Always, buddy. Yeah. All right. All right. Good night. See ya.